Welcome again to the Agile Coffee Podcast, episode 65. My name is Vic Bonacci. You can find me on Twitter at Agile Coffee. I'm joined today by Larry Lawhead. Hello, Larry. Hello, Vic. Glad to be here. Uh, Larry, you are on Twitter at Larry Lawhead. People can find you there. Um, and so much has happened since we initially recorded this oh, this uh, podcast, episode 65. We recorded you and I talking uh, about a few really great topics, but this was back in, gosh, was it late January, early, maybe it was early February. And um, wouldn't you know it, the world has changed a lot since early February since we, <laughs> we recorded this podcast. Um, as, as everyone who's out there listening must know by now, um, the pandemic of coronavirus, COVID-19, has swept over the, uh, the world, really, but uh, certainly here in Southern California, um, business as usual no longer exists, especially for Rocket9, because at Rocket9 Solutions, we do training and coaching, and a lot of the clients that we work with um, are also being disrupted. Um, we don't do training in person anymore. The Scrum Alliance, who, um, who certifies uh, the CSM, the Certified Scrum Master, Certified Scrum Product Owner, they have uh, made a temporary arrangement that all training classes can be delivered online. Uh, so that's really kind of having us scramble a bit, but also because coaching now, um, a lot of organizations are saying our workforce now works from home. Uh, so what does that do to you if you're a coach who visits um, places physically um, that disrupts that model as well? So, so Rocket9 also is, is not immune to the, uh, the disruptions and the shakeups that are going along with uh, having everyone suddenly shift to working from home. In fact, not only are we not immune, but, um, but we had a pretty big change here at Rocket9. Um, normally there's four of us. We're a pretty small company. But uh, we were just downsized to two. Uh, so, Larry, actually, you um, you just recently lost your your job. You're now going through um, a work, uh, a search for for your next uh, meaningful work, uh, what that might look like. Um, so, I'm sure that as we have you on future um, podcasts here, Agile Coffee podcasts, you'll be able to kind of update us on what that search looks like. Um, what do you want to share? How, how are you feeling these days, Larry? Yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, the, first of all, uh, I had to deal a little bit with disappointment, although as a company, we've been very open. As a team, we've been very open about our finances. So I saw it coming. Uh, so it didn't come as a real shock. But, you know, like I've said many times, I really love this team, love being on this team. And uh, the thing is, <clears throat> I've noticed that when a opportunity ends, new opportunities usually sur surface. And so um, it's not like you burn any bridges, but it's like you go over a bridge and that leads to another bridge and it keeps going. And um, I've noticed that I've never really lost an opportunity where I didn't gain an even better opportunity. Now, I'm not saying that there's something better than Rocket 9 out there, I'm not sure, but what I am saying is that it, it evolves into something that gets me where I wanna go even though it's not necessarily the path that I would have chosen at the beginning. So <clears throat> to your question, I'm hopeful. And um, also um, I'm glad I'm part of the um, agile community here in Southern California. We, we support each other a lot, as you know, and uh, it's nice to know that you go through these transition times along with other people. You're not alone in this. So that's kind of how I feel hopeful, sad, sure, 
but um, I'm glad these, these um, um, relationships continue on. And so I'm anxious to see what new evolution this might take. Yeah, and um, and we won't be strangers. You and I have known each other long before we knew Rocket Nine, and and we'll continue to uh, work together. <clears throat> In fact, as I said earlier, you and I talked uh, off uh, before we started rolling the mics here. Um, definitely want to keep Larry Lawhead as a part of the Agile Coffee podcast. Um, listeners out there, you're going to be hearing a lot more from Larry, <laughs> just as you always have been. Um, great person, full of terrific ideas and meaningful questions. So um, really happy to have you a part of this podcast. Thanks a lot. Um, we're going to, yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Um, we're going to then transition now into the, uh, the recording of the uh, of Agile Coffee podcast, episode 65 here, which again was recorded um, about a month and a half ago. Um, I do want to just mention though, before launching into it, that we are holding online uh, lean coffees, um, right now we're in the, the last week of March and I've got five or six of them scheduled for this week and we'll have a few more throughout uh, every week throughout April. We'll have at least two or three. Larry has been a part of these, uh, these lean coffees, these agile coffees that we've been doing um, face to face. And now he's been joining, uh, you've been joining me virtually here on the, on the one or two that we already did. Um, and hopefully you'll be joining um, those as well. But they're, they're open to the public. Um, they're absolutely free. You'll have to go to meetup.com. That's where I'm, I'm posting them now. I'll put this information on the website, uh, the Agile Coffee website, agilecoffee.com slash episode 65. This information will be there with the link to our uh, meetup page, meetup.com slash agile dash coffee. <laughs> and then you'll... Uh, join the group, join an event, and you'll get the um, <clears throat> the login information. We're doing it all over Zoom, and uh, we use some online tools. We use the Lean Coffee Table to manage the Lean Coffees, and there's other tools. Um, and so far, the engagement has been really great with the community. So if you're looking to join uh, an Agile Coffee, it won't be recorded, but it'll be uh, there to share information with, uh, with others. Um, look for us there on the meetup.com site. Anything else, Larry, before we jump into this episode? That's good. Yeah, I, like the, <clears throat> I like the virtual uh, uh, lean coffees because uh, we don't have to go to Starbucks early and clear the tables. <laughs> <laughs> they won't let you in anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. All right. Well, let's get to, uh, get to the session. Welcome back to the Agile Coffee Podcast, episode 65. Wow, 65. Can you 65. imagine? Yeah, it's wow. like if, if I was a, an individual 65 years old, but I'd be thinking about retirement right now. You know, start, my back starts to hurt when I think of that. 65, <laughs> wow. 65. I want to thank everyone out there listening who's brought us this far. Uh, it's, it's amazing to think back to uh, 2012, I think, is when we launched this podcast. Larry, you came on shortly after. You were one of our first guests, and certainly uh, yeah. by now you're probably the the longest standing, uh, other than myself, the longest standing participant. Yeah, they all just coffee. kind of fell away. <laughs> I was thinking of yeah, Ellis today. He went to, to um, San Francisco, and he loves it there. And John Jorgensen is, I guess, now a 
He's Traveler. on the plane. Yeah, he's a he's a, he's a weekend plane. warrior, right? Yeah, Where he yeah. comes home every every weekend or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, it'd be great to like get everyone together and do a That'd re- be great. Yeah, reunion be, we show, have to right? do a reunion sometime. <laughs> uh, As with coffee listeners, um, as you've probably heard the last few episodes, Larry and I have been getting together and and talking about a lot of topics, um, sometimes Rocket Nine related. Um, and again, I'm not trying to make this uh, sound like a whole big rocket nine episode i think the last one did come off a bit uh talking about that but as larry says we love where we work yeah yeah it kind of rubs off i i I felt a little bit in retrospect i thought wow we talked about ourselves a lot but on the other hand i guess that's where your passion is but so i i want to make sure that our listeners understand that we're not trying to promote ourselves we're just talking about what what interests us on the other hand rocket nine is now a sponsor of the agile coffee yeah i guess we are we do kind of have to promote ourselves a bit Wanted to also remind you that the Agile Coffee Podcast is proudly a member of the Agile Podcasting Network. Uh, a lot of great podcasts out there, so give that a look up, too. Um, reminder, hello, Nashville. Yes, Nashville. So have we gotten any uh, demo tracks from Scott? Is he, you know, uh, I, I have to bring that up at our next stand-up, make that a kind of a parking lot item, but he has to start taking this serious. I want to see uh, how his uh, ukulele performance has come along. Yeah, has he yeah. taken lessons or what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've gone through um, some of our uh, our new clients in the in the uh, Tennessee, uh, in the Nashville area there. And, you know, there's a lot more going on uh, in the Nashville area than I had thought. And there's a lot of good companies there. Yeah. Some great teams. Uh, you see the people kind of coming into our, say, our, our, our customer relationship management yeah. application now. And I, I have to say, I'm really impressed. So I think that was a good move um, on uh, Scott's part to kind of see what he can do to help Nashville out. Like you, I'm amazed by the number of, now that someone's living there, kind of like if, if I wasn't driving that car, I wouldn't notice it. Now I am driving that car. I see him all the time kind yeah. of <laughs> phenomenon. But um, yeah. we, we had a, a, a prospective client reach out to us here in Southern California, and they said, by the way, our other office is in Nashville. It's like, oh, guess what? We have a coach in Nashville we can work <laughs> with. Um, yeah, like you, I'm seeing a lot of activity now come up in, in the Tennessee area. So that's pretty exciting too. It is. Yeah. It looks like a great place. Also from Tennessee, the, uh, the storytelling center in Jonesboro, Tennessee. I want to look into that because it came up in a book that I started reading now, the, um, Stephen Denning's, uh, leader's guide to storytelling. So the storytelling center that you might hear more about that. And the book <laughs> coming up in future episodes. All right, so episode 65, we've got three topics in front of us today that we'd like to cover. Our first topic, lean software development and uh, the assessment of wastes and other frustrations. So, um, Larry, I pitched this topic to you because it's something that I'm going through with... Um, I'm going through specifically with one client now, but it's something that I'd been thinking of mm-hmm. along the lines uh, with other clients because wastes are so detrimental to an organization. Oh, yeah. And oftentimes you, you kind of have to start with, okay, what's in our way before we can start thinking yes. about how can we improve? Let's, let's talk about the wastes and things that are in our way. Um, so I'm, I'm working with this, this group, and actually they kind of said the same thing. Our teams right now are frustrated. Can we get a handle on... What's slowing the teams down? What's frustrating the teams? What's making them, uh, what's keeping them from getting to where they want to go? And I thought, wow, what a great place to start with. Because they were talking about, you know, okay, let's ask these questions and then we'll decide if we want to measure what we want to measure, how we're going to measure it. And then we'll tell a story, you know, based on that. And I Mm -hmm. thought, oh, this is great. We can start with these 
wonderful questions. And what really um, got me going was when I thought, you know, inevitably when they say, let's start with waste, I think of um, lean. I go back to the lean concepts. Yeah, it's great. And uh, then I think of, because these are, this is a software, a, a group that, an organization that makes software. So I think, okay, software wastes. The Poppendikes wrote a really great book uh, back uh, two decades ago now called Lean Software Development. And I thought, oh, this is wonderful. I can use the, the seven wastes that kind of came oh, yeah. up That's traditionally a good one. That's a great idea. That, that they talked about then in, they took them from kind of the, the lean manufacturing world, um, uh, Tom and Mary Poppendike, and put them into the software world. So I said, okay, I'm going to start with their book. Lo and behold, I open it up, and they've got something like 25 tools in their book. It's been a while since I looked at it. Um, and the very first tool is how to identify waste. And I thought, oh, well, there it is. There Validation. It is. <laughs> start with waste, you know, identifying the waste. Um, so that's kind of what I did. And I'm going to pause there because I know that you've done a lot of reading on lean in general yeah. and yeah. Muda, Muda, Moody. Yeah, Muda, Muda, Mori. Yeah, the Japanese words for basically waste in the system. Yeah, right? so first one is uh, wasted effort. Yep. Uh, next one is uh, wasted uh, movement. Yep. And then the last one is uh, a wasted allocation. I'd like to put it this way, wasted allocation of your, of your mm-hmm. resources or your team. Mm-hmm. So you're wearing your team out, they're working overtime. There's mm-hmm. waste there that you have to, you have to uh, come to grips with. The first one is one I notice a lot with teams is uh, <clears throat> just wasted effort. And one of the greatest examples of wasted effort I, I know, and it's very painful, uh, but I worked with a client. And they, the large company had lots of money, and, and they invested something like $74 million in a transformation, software transformation. They were, they were trying to create a new platform. Mm. And um, it, they, after six years, hadn't been able to deliver one wow. piece of value. So that was, uh, that is, that's waste. That's the epitome of waste. But there's also smaller examples of waste. You know, how many times have you had to go back and redo something. Yeah. Well, why did you have to redo it? I think a lot of times we, we complain about mm-hmm. having to go back and redo something, but we don't really stop and retrospect on that and say, why was that? How can I make that better? Right. What I did was I, I, I started with um, kind of the traditional seven wastes um, as, as the Poppendikes transcribed them, translated them to software, and I created a... Um, Kind of an assessment that's based on sliders, like the the Likert scale. So, to what degree do you, or to what extent do you agree or disagree with this statement? Right. So, one of the statements was, um, like, um, I am held up, or I personally am delayed by from doing my work while waiting for um, some delivery from other people yeah, within my great. team. This is a good example. So, like, okay, if you agree or, or disagree, and it'll be like a scale of one to five. Um, That'll show some degree of like, yeah, this person on the team uh, is always held up. Uh, maybe every person on the team is, or it's just uh, the quality folks, or or whatever it might be. Right? It's it's just a data point. Um, other questions uh, similar to that, like my team delivers products that are used by the end user as intended. Maybe the the team can't answer that, but maybe the product uh, person, whether it's a product owner or someone else, can answer that question. So. So that's a waste. One of the seven wastes is: Are we delivering, you know, the right value at all? Yeah, this is good. Um, my team spends time addressing defects that we created that made our way yeah, into isn't production. Isn't that a killer? But it's you know? true. So, so I created like twenty questions based on these uh, seven wastes, and uh, none of them are 
altogether profound or anything. Um, most of those questions, probably 15 of them, are, are based on the Likert scale. But I started off this assessment by saying, what does better mean to you? Hmm. So I start with an open-ended question. Yeah. What's the word better mean? Because I want to get a, a basis for measuring like this better state that everyone talks about. Let's get aligned on what better exactly. means. Exactly. That is really good. So you don't have a, a team of eight people and you have eight opinions mm-hmm. that have never been shared about what better means. Right. So get them all on the same page. Right. Very important. So we spend a couple questions just kind of sifting through that. Okay, here's what better means. What's one impediment that's stopping you from being better? Is that impediment a, a people problem, a technology problem, a process? Like, talk to me about that. And then I get into the Likert questions. And um, again, this is a first run-through with these questions. So we'll try it with a couple of teams, uh, get their feedback, see if uh, we can refine the questions, maybe make the assessment shorter or longer. Does it need to be face-to-face proctored by me or can it be run by the the coaches or the teams? Um, And then we get something back because it's, uh, like I said, on the Likert scale, now it's measurable in that regard. Yeah, exactly. So you're you're leveraging empiricism to uh, to support your um, improvements. Yeah. That's perfect. I like this. So once you work this through with the team, you got to bring it back to the podcast and tell us what you learned from it and how you've uh, how we've improved it. Yeah, this yeah. is really rich stuff. I like yeah, this. hopefully, you know, beyond the podcast, I'd like to write this up as a um, yeah. a presentation that we can run, uh, whether it's a a webinar, a workshop, or take it on the road, um, speak at a conference, that type of thing. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Share this kind of assessment because it's not an overall. What I've seen as agile assessments, um, it's more of a, you know, again, a, a lean. What are the yeah, wastes? focused that, on that, wastes, yeah. That, that you, the teams, see. What are your wastes? Um, what are your, the things that frustrate you? Um, so starting there, measuring it, and then telling a story mm-hmm. that everyone in the organization can understand. And again, that goes back to the storytelling book that I was Yeah, exactly, yeah. Earlier. As you pointed out here at the beginning, um, Wastes are very, very important. I, you know, when I do my Gemba walks, one of the one of the things I'm looking for too is in their conversation, mm-hmm. where are they reflecting wastes? And then when when that comes up, then I can, as a because I'm they've employed me to be a coach to help them mentor them. Yeah, uh, I can bring it up and say, hey, how about that? Can we spend some time talking about this? I, I generally work with the scrum master first mm-hmm. before bringing it to the team, uh, but we've had some rich conversations around this. So this is really interesting. You're talking about Gemba walks that come out of the TPS, the Toyota production system. Yeah, exactly. So when Lean was first getting its, like, forming and and coming about, um, they kind of worked that in. Okay, identify the wastes by walking around, by doing these Gemba walks. So I'm seeing this as kind of even a prelude to that. Instead of the coach or any one person kind of walking around, first ask the team to kind of self-report what they see as wastes. Oh, I once, like this. Once I, they identify, instead of having an outsider come yes. in and walk around and point out, hey, that's wasteful or that's, let the team start off because yes. they're closest to the work. This is the, this is the brilliance of this thing by, by yeah. bringing it to the team first and having them identify it. That's always better than having mm-hmm. an outside guy go, I saw this. What was it? What did I see? Was yeah. this waste? It looked like waste to me. No, they can tell you right away. They'll tell themselves this is waste. They'll have that. That's getting to the point a lot quicker and more more effectively. It's, when, <laughs> it's bringing up this conversation with much less waste. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, we're almost done with this topic, but that made me think of back when I was a scrum master with teams, 
And the teams might say, yes, we've identified the issue we'd like to improve on. We've identified the waste. We've yeah. found this waste. Scrum Master, you didn't have to. We were a mature team, and we've identified waste. And I would say, okay, what are we going to do about it? And you know, maybe they have an answer, maybe they don't. So, um, so let's say we get to some answer, and then they need that help um, being accountable to fix it. Yeah. Right, yeah. and that's I think where the power of a good coach doing Gemba walks, yeah, exactly. or a scrum master can come in and say, "Okay, team, you have self-identified this waste, and you've come up with a solution. Maybe we've come up with it together, and uh, and now I'm just there to remind you, be a mirror to your progress of it. You know, hold you accountable. For yeah, that, and how so. you do it on your goals that you've set to to address that issue. Yep. That is really good coaching. Where, where the Gemba Walk process that I described is more mentoring, I think, because I'm the one that's bringing it up. Mm-hmm. And yes, of course, you have to ask the questions and you have to get the team to go, yeah, that is a problem. And then you can facilitate that important conversation. But mm-hmm. you're, you're cutting to the chase right away here. And I, I, I like this idea a lot. Hmm. Well, that's all I had to say about, uh, about this little exercise. And I'll bring it back and, and report progress. But what do you have to say out there, listeners? Uh, if you've ever done a similar type of an assessment where you ask the teams to identify waste in their processes, uh, give us a holler here on the Twitter machine. Use the hashtag AskAgileCoffee and join the conversation. Uh, next up, Larry, we've got a card. Uh, you wrote this card. Yeah. Five steps to the infinite game. How do you stack up? Yeah. The infinite game, that's a Simon Sinek. I wasn't feeling so well on the weekend, so on Saturday... I I spent time just laying in bed and looking at uh, YouTube videos, uh-huh. uh, si- Simon Sinek specifically, mm-hmm. and he really caught my attention with this infinite game. It spoke to me deeply, and I thought, wow, that fills in a lot of gaps, helps me understand things, gives me a framework to to understand my world and our clients that we work with. Um, and I thought it'd be interesting to talk about it here a bit. Uh, he's got five points to this infinite game. Uh, you have to have a just cause. That's, you know... A just cause. Yeah, okay, just cause. So, what is your why? And he okay. Spe- you know, it begins with why. So oh, yeah, he's, he's got his book. He's, yeah, he's consistent with Start with, with why, right? So, okay, good. What is so your, just, your cause? just cause? The next one is um, uh, courageous leadership. Uh, courage to support the why. So a lot of times, okay. you know, you've got pressures that say, no, that why isn't right. Or no, um, you're, you're being pressed to make compromises. Yeah. No, your cura- cur- courageous leadership means... This is our why, and we're going to stand by this principle. This is going to stand by our values here. Okay. The next one is vulnerable teams. People feel safe to be themselves. So do your teams feel safe? Does your organization, members of your organization, feel okay. safe to so be themselves? So psychological safety exactly. in the workplace there. Yeah, Got thought, it. Wow, this fits in so well to what we're doing Good. As, um, as agile professionals. Well, agile people on a, on a long journey. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the next one is um, a worthy adversary. This one spoke to me too. Mm-hmm. Um, consistently striving to become a better version of yourself. So you're not competing with others, but you're um, you. An adversary comes to you. You bump up against that adversary. He exposes weaknesses that you have, and you work on those weaknesses uh, and make by, them stronger. By what they're doing well, you can use them then as a benchmark against how you can yeah. improve, what your gaps are, exactly. where you can get better. Exactly. I see. So it's not that necessarily that you're trying to. Like you said, compete with that, compete directly with that adversary. But you're using that adversary yes. as a, as a, a standard to kind of approach and live yeah, up to. Yeah, exactly. And I, th- gotcha. This is that was for me uh, something I've felt for a long time. Mm-hmm. That why do I have to feel like I'm <clears throat> trying to conquer somebody mm-hmm. when I can spend time observing them, learning from them, becoming mm-hmm. stronger mm-hmm. based on what 
weaknesses they're ref they're showing myself. Right. What do they do? I think do? that's yeah. really great. Cause in the last analysis, it's all about making our customers happy mm. with what we're doing. And why does that even fit into our world about winning and losing? None of us are going to win or none of us are going to lose if we just focus on making our customers happy. So that we're the adversary thing is I'm not trying to put somebody out of business. I'm looking at how they're doing it and go, wow, we ought to do that too. Um, so anyway, I don't want to get too much into the details, yeah, no, but how one. that might yeah. apply. Number yeah. five is um, open playbook. Have flexible strategies and plans that change is needed. Again, I thought, wow, this is right up our alley. Right on. Inspect and adapt. Yep. Uh, look at those numbers that you get through your em empirical studies or you, you know, your numbers, your, the things that you're trying to track. Inspect the re outcome, adapt, and go move on. Go to the next experiment. Yeah. So, so that one there reminds me of e – each of these points reminds me of – I'm thinking of like a different book or different uh, <laughs> author or talk or something like that. Brene Brown came up in an earlier one. This one here, inspect and adapt, sounds like the, the whole lean startup idea. Yeah. Like don't get too invested in your product where you can't pivot to what the customer is exactly. really asking for, right? Exactly. Oh, okay. Great. You know, we've wow. had – you know, I've been working on this um, – this uh, scaling uh, workshop for a while, mm -hmm. and and every time I do it, I every time I work through it, every time I read through it, new ideas come. So I'm, I'm really anxious to get this out in front of a small crowd, say at Agile Open, and and just to see what kind of a response I get back from, so I can make it make it even better. So I have flexible strategies and plans that change is needed, and I really like this a lot. So this this really spoke to me. Uh, back when I was working with nonprofits. I, I oftentimes try to solidify my message into why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. uh, and because that was an anchor mentally for me to be able to make decisions, which leads into the next thing. It made me a courageous leader because I could say no to, to some things. It's kind of interesting, and mm -hmm. we say it a lot, right? It's, it's, sometimes it's more important to what you say no to than what you say yes to. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's start with just the, let's go through each of the five. Right? Sure. You had the just cause. So you said that you came from a, um, uh, a nonprofit background. I'm sure that that's kind of rife with finding oh, yeah. <laughs> just causes, right? Uh, oh boy! But when you talk about um, for-profit enterprises, uh, most of our clients, in fact, I can't think of any uh, off the top of my head that aren't for-profit right now. Um, they probably have a just cause. They want to make money. Right? Yeah, exactly. Is that good enough? Just no. make money? No, that's that's the internet. okay. That's kind of for me the revelation out of this. It's, it's No, it's something that's much greater than yourselves. He gives um, in his uh, YouTube videos here that I would encourage people to see, just you mm -hmm. know, type in in YouTube, Infinite Game, and it'll come up with all kinds of mm -hmm. variations of this. Uh, but uh, he mentioned, uh, he did, he did a, a talk at uh, Microsoft, this mm -hmm. is back in the Steve Ballmer days, and um, he also was there as the executives were giving their plans, their strategies for the future. Mm -hmm. And he said 90% of them had plans of how we're going to beat Apple. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to Apple mm -hmm. and gives the same spiel. And again, all the executives are there. And then they give their plans. And what Apple was thinking of is how do we, how do we create products that help teachers teach better and how students learn more? Yeah. They weren't, night and day. Huh? Night and day. Yeah. And then here's the kicker. As you know, he was in uh, he was in a taxi. He was in a car with one of the I don't know, like uh, uh, employee number six or something like that. Somebody been around in the company a long time, and he thought, "Well, I'm going to stir the pot." Yeah. So he pulls out this. He was given uh, at uh, Microsoft uh, their music 
player, whatever it was. I can't remember what it was. And he said, this is a brilliant player. This really works well. You know what? This just blitzes your iP your what was it, iPod or something back then, right? Mm -hmm. And the executive turned to him and said, I have no doubt. Mm. End of conversation. See, it's the, yeah. yeah it's, they don't care about competing no, here. No, it's, it's, it's so much in there. There's, it's <laughs> he gives the them the bait and they don't take so it. So yeah. why are we here? Well, right now, the, these products that we want to make this year, yeah. are, are they're intended to help teachers teach better and help students learn more. How can mm. we do that? That's a mm. why that's really worth standing yeah. behind. And as he says, you use that why as your compass. Everyone is aligned by it because it's so clear and so compelling that they say, yes, that's the way forward. That's, that's what we're going to align behind. That's our compass. That's what we want to, uh, to believe in. Um, it's something that's resilient, right, and endurable. Uh, it, it has something that everyone can um, – it includes everyone. It's a very inclusive statement yeah. or other things that he said there. And I like the fact – what you pointed out here is a compass – yeah. It helps me be, it gives me the freedom to say no. And that's very, very important. You know, I, I was working with a client recently where being able to say no was just a very difficult thing. Right. Product right. owners were overwhelmed by not having the authority to say no. We, we tried to work with them on it. But the, in the last analysis, if you were to go back and kind of take a higher level view of that problem, it was a lack of really knowing why. Mm. Uh, and um, that's where we could have work with that customer even more i think on defining that why because it goes back to why are we doing this i don't know we're, we're doing this to, to and, and they couldn't give a real definite answer to that question and i'm thinking if you're if you're setting it up as a binary to to beat exactly. the other company okay great and then what happens after you beat them uh <laughs> we beat the next one i have no yeah. idea then you're on top what are you going to do oh yeah. i guess but if you're inspired here. to help you know as you said, like help uh, teachers teach or readers learn to read or whatever yes. it might be, then it feels like there's always more. It's kind of like um, it feeds upon itself. There's always more to do. Once you reach a certain level, great, now let's get better. Yes, Let's exactly. take this to more people. Exactly. Yeah. You can't – if you take that view of mm -hmm. business, you can never stop. Yeah, very inspiring that way too. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you kind of tap into that, that inspirational um, – the way to motivate people too, and, and that's – very, very powerful. Um, yeah, great. So the courage to lead was the second part. Yeah. Um, you know, not to get off, off of the five, and I'm sure we'll come back to the worthy rival and the trusting teams, but in the talk, and I haven't read through much of it that I've, I've seen on the web or I haven't watched any videos really yet other than just a real brief overview, and you can find some of the hour and a half long talks that he's done yeah. but uh but you can find a five minute version too and that's that's kind of where i'm coming from is the five minute version but but he did mention the difference between uh mindsets so he said if you have a finite mindset yeah. versus an infinite mindset and he says that most uh businesses had been coming from a very finite mindset and that goes back to what you had said about if um if say your company is microsoft and your goal is just to beat competitor a apple um that's again, a finite game. Like there's a, there's a, a time period or a measurement that you can use to say, yes, we've completed our objective. We've won. We get the W, uh, they get the L type of thing. Yeah, right? exactly. And a lot of businesses, that's the way it's set up. Like, like a game, you've got a, a, a certain period in which yeah. you try to score as many points and, and prevent the other from scoring as many points. 
and there's a winner and there's a loser. Yeah. yeah uh, what yeah. else? What else did he well, say? Well, he says in, here, mm-hmm. and I, I like how um, there's a nice, uh, 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 very short summary of this um, on this uh, blog post I'm looking at here, and it says the finite game has has winners and losers. Yep. The rules of the game are known to both sides. Ah, uh, the rules are known in a finite game. And Got to it. both sides, yeah, so we yeah. know what we're playing against. Yep. The boundaries. Of playing the playing field are well defined. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scoreboard helps keep track of the game's activity. Right. And at the end of the prescribed period of time, a winner is declared and a loser is declared. It's Got neat. It. It's clean. Someone loses. Someone wins. Got it. But where in business? Where, especially yeah, today, right. where in business <laughs> does that apply? It does not apply. Yeah. Yeah. Then the infinite game has no winners and losers. The rules are often rules. <laughs> the rules often don't exist. Yeah. And if they do, they're fuzzy and open to interpretation. The playing field is undefined, and progress is hard to measure. Yeah. Um, opportunities change frequently. So this is uh, this is the game that we're really playing when mm-hmm. we when we want to say I'm starting a business or I am in a business or we've been in business for 150 years that's the game that we are playing yeah yeah I love it um so I'm looking at a list also it says you know finite it has known participants like you said we know who's who everyone is in the infinite mindset you don't know who all the participants are you aren't you know who some are yeah. but you don't know who all the participants are this is great so how how uh, you put here how do you stack up yeah, so What's I was wondering here, you know, as for me, of course, I was laying there going, wow, you know, mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as a team, how do we stack up to these things? And I went, well, we got our, we got our, our purpose is well-defined. We've worked on that over the last year or so. Um, we are courageous to say no to things mm-hmm. uh, based on that value. Um, we, I, I believe, I feel safe. I think I'm very vulnerable. I feel really safe working with you. Uh, Vic and the rest of the people on our team. So I, 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 I thought you know we, we're pretty good there. Um, yeah, that that made me think of Joshua Kirievsky's modern agile. It made me think of Brene Brown, that whole safety uh, or trusting teams that we're talking about here. Um, again, open to take risks, open for feedback. We listen to each other. Um, and again, not just here in our workplace, but also with clients, you know, with our community always listening to other uh to what people have to say so get to develop a, a trust with them yeah exactly being honest in what we know and what we don't know you know and and sharing with them how to find help what next steps possibly might be i believe that's a real it's, it's an important part yeah, important part. so ask yourself do we have these values in our company yeah and yeah. that kind of goes also i'm thinking sorry to throw this other sure. tool out there what's the um patrick lencioni's um um, uh, five dysfunctions of a team. Like yes, that's very really good. all around. It, it starts with trust. Uh, the first one, absolutely, is, is trust. Okay. Another one is we're the adversary. Now I thought about this a bit. Yeah, yeah. And I have a really good example here. We uh, last week I was in a conversation with a prospective client. Uh, our conversation was going great. He loved us. We had good rapport. Uh, he loved our values, and we walked him through it. You know, and and we did our had a great conversation, but. Uh, we were talking about scaling, actually. What I was doing is I, hmm. I, took, I took my scaling presentation and I scrunched it, the first part of it, into just a 30-minute conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the question. How's that look for you guys? And, and we, so we had a great and rich conversation. Um, in the last analysis, though, um, he, he said, you know, I think we'll, 
will stick stay with the uh, safe implementation. Okay. And I had to tell him, I think that is based on what you've said here, based on our conversation, yeah. I would like to I would say for what it's worth, it's that's a great idea. I think you should do that. Hmm. Now, here's the problem. Uh, our team hasn't given safe uh, uh said hello to safe in a long time. Yeah. So we've been kind of going, oh, say, I don't want, I want to stay away from that. Yeah, there are a lot of reasons for saying that. I think based on our values and, and well, at least as we perceived them at that time, uh, we had good reason for having the opinions that we had. But in the last analysis, and that's what I learned from that conversation, was if my customer or potential customer has a framework that's going to really help him, then don't I have an obligation as a servant leader or servant mm -hmm. coach or consultant as a mm -hmm. servant to that organization, don't I have an obligation to help him be successful? Right. And that really made me think. I yeah. thought, wow, we came up short there. Now, the reason why I saw that was because then we were actually sort of bidding, if you will, against uh, um, uh, we're the adversary. Okay. And they did offer safe. Mm -hmm. and so they got the deal and we did it. And I thought, well, let's re let's retrospect on that a bit. What what happened? Well, because of our misalignment with our customers, someone else got it. And it's not like a win lose thing. It's like they exposed, in my mind, a weakness that we had by hanging on to this. Well, safe is not a really good idea. Yeah. It, well, for them, it was a good idea, and I have to support that. So that's where that worthy adversary comes from. That that it. it you watch how they work, and you go, "Wow, yeah, we we could mm -hmm. do that better." Or, mm -hmm. "Oh, we're 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 a little stronger there. Maybe they can learn from us." But that's how you build a, a stronger uh, a stronger company, a stronger team. Very good. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there, and that brings us then to the fifth and final uh, of these five steps, five characteristics. He, I guess he called them five steps. The yes. end game. Uh, which is that ability to flex the existential around the existential, right? Yeah, have the open playbook. He says having an open playbook. Yeah, okay. have flexible strategies and plans that change as needed. I thought, man, that is right up our alley. It right? is. Yeah, that's good. And that's something that's very strong with all of us here in, in this this uh, community. I went and talked with a, um, a potential client uh, last week, and um, we had a great conversation. It sounded from before we started the conversation, the notes that I was given or what they may have said in the lead up that they are interested in finding out more about training. Mm -hmm. um, got on the call, discovered right away it wasn't that they were interested in training, but maybe more of around coaching. And then more talk that we had was more around assessment. <laughs> and and so like I, if I would have come in with a very firm mindset of, oh, I want to make sure that they um, they get this training class from us, um, I might have been more resistant uh, in that conversation and not willing to uh, flex to something that was more necessary and useful for the, the client. But uh, in that I had an open mind and I was really hoping to kind of discover what their biggest need is, how can we best service them, we were able to find out it was more uh, not really training at all, but rather kind of a technical assessment. And it might be that um, that I'm not involved with the the delivery at all, depending on how it goes. So. I don't know. I'm just kind of riffing off on the yeah. fact that, yeah, we do have to be flexible in in what um, what we can and can't provide to people and, and what we where we go next. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that idea because if you go to a client with a fixed mindset <clears throat> about 
Oh, they asked for training. Okay, great. Uh, that's going to be X amount of dollars per seat uh, for public training. For private training, it's a little more. You have to have mm -hmm. at least 10 to get this. You're talking about numbers and solutions. Have you really sat down and asked the basic question, what is it you're trying to get here? Yeah. What is your outcomes that you're looking for? And that opens up the doors for, for that whole transition that you just talked about. And is this what Simon's talking about here when he's talking about Oh, the, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Wow. And you've got to be able to, you, you hold, if you hold on to your strategies, this is how we're going to do it, mm -hmm. you'll probably lose out. I mean, you've got to be non-flexible. So it goes back to the, the safe illustration I just mm -hmm. gave. I think mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times we've been unflexible in our safe strategy, if you would. We didn't have a strategy, but our right. safe, our beliefs about safe. <clears throat> mm -hmm. uh, and we need to be, we need to exercise here an open playbook. And because of that, I really, I actually had to think about this quite a bit over the weekend, uh, thinking, wow, I, I had an opportunity to, to bless a client, to, to, to bring value to a client, and I didn't because of I, uh, my playbook was not flexible. It was not an open playbook. Mm. So actually, we've made plans now to change that. So uh, Simon Sinek's book is out there. It's called The Infinite Game. You can find it on Amazon or virtually anywhere right now. Um, the Infinite Game, The Infinite Game. It's a striking book cover, so you can't miss it if you see the book cover. It says <laughs> The Infinite Game. Um, anything else on that topic? No, that's it. That's I'm compelled. covers it quite well. I'm really, uh, now I want to dive into that longer, the 90-minute video or one of his longer ones, and, and hear more about it because, again, it, remi it seems to tie together a lot of different uh, lessons or um, topics over the past you know, decade or so of, of other um, influential kind of maybe they're not agilists but they're like right on the periphery of agile mm -hmm. and so like having this again ties them together and it gives us kind of fertile grounds for crafting new stories when we talk to clients and team members um, you know using new metaphors so so I'll definitely pick it up and and give it a read through or at least watch the videos if nothing else yeah it's well worth it well Larry that brings us to uh, the final topic today which is a kind of a um, a wild card, if you will. What I did was I went to the deck of cards that I created a few years ago. It's called Lean Coffee Conversation Starters. And uh, this is volume two. This is the green deck. And I pulled out three cards, and I'm going to share them with you and let you decide which one you'd like to talk about here. Mm. Uh, card number one says modeling collaboration. So how would you model collaboration to an organization? <clears throat> the second card is a quote. actually came from... Uh, I believe it was Dr. Dave, who said, Agile practices make me tired. <laughs> Agile practices make me tired. And then last, um, using personal Kanban in your non-work life. Personal Kanban in your non-work life. I'll give you three seconds to oh, look at those. There's a lot of pressure here, Vic. I don't know <laughs> if I can handle this. Oh. We, can, we can hit the other uh, topics that we don't get to uh, at a future. I, I'd like to podcast. do modeling collaboration. I like it. That's a good one. So... Um, yeah, so let's spend a couple minutes about that. So I like to go through these decks of cards every now and then, too, just to kind of refresh my mind on what were some of the topics that I was thinking of um, three years ago, five years ago, eight years ago, whatever it might be, um, when I started out doing, uh, doing Agile and, and Scrum specifically uh, when I was newer then. So modeling collaboration, what, what made you want to choose that card? Well, because I've run into conversations here um, – with clients about the importance of collaboration. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, I've, you know, I, I, I've, as you know, I've spent the last year 
really digging in deep into uh, safe scrum at scale and um, less. Yes. Uh, because in my mind, uh, we need to have that conversation with our clients to help them decide what's best for them. Um, one of the strengths of these uh, frameworks, um, uh, scaling frameworks, is that it does model collaboration really well. Mm -hmm. And so one of the criteria that I like to go by when I'm talking with a client about a scaling is, well, how do you collaborate now? Yeah. And then based on their current model of collaboration, which one of these scaling frameworks may fit the best for you. Right. Uh, and if they're not collaborating at all, that's also a conversation that you've got to have because the scaling frameworks will require collaboration. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, these are your options. Which ones do you think would fit you well? Well, let's take a look at your outcomes. What kind of collaboration do you think you need? And that helps mm -hmm. them to, so, to um, help a client figure out what scaling framework might work for them yeah. as well. So that's what I'm thinking when I look at this. Good. That, that's great, and it and that's why I love lean coffee too, because it brings everyone's perspective to a to a topic to a card. So, for instance, here we've got two words: modeling, collaboration. And you just shared what what your perspective is. So I'm coming at it a little bit differently. I'm thinking the word modeling versus teaching collaboration. Like, how do you how do you get people yes. to collaborate? If mm -hmm. if you come in and and you discover, hey, there's a gap in um, in how we collaborate, or maybe you were brought in to specifically address, uh, we're really weak in collaboration, can you help us out? Okay, how do I lead the horse to water, and can I make the horse drink? <laughs> you know, I might in there get in there and talk about the value of collaboration, or, or um, how to do it, or, or why to do it, all this, um, but it doesn't necessarily lead to more collaboration just by talking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I think you have to really get in there as a coach, uh, as a scrum master, if that's your role, as a, as a leader in the organization, and not just talk the talk, but walk the walk, mm -hmm. right? So how do you do that? How do you model what collaboration looks like? So maybe going back to the first topic where I said, here's some, some questions I'd like to ask the team and get the team's response, as opposed to just saying, hey, team, I've observed these wastes. I'm going to tell you. Instead of saying, hey, team, is there anything that's preventing you from being in a better workplace? What are these things that are holding you back? What, how can we measure them? What can we do about them? Now I'm getting them to own the solution. Yeah, exactly. So This is really good. So similarly with collaboration, too, if I was to come in and say, we must collaborate better, as opposed to saying, hey, you know, what are some ways that we, could, we can get the work done and, and have a better uh, working relationship with each other? Um, oh, collaboration, you say? Let's talk about that, you know, and get them to come up with the solutions or, or what that looks like. And then kind of walk the walk. So, okay, if, if that's what we agreed on, that's what I'm going to do too. We said that we would check in with each other, you know, every other day on, on, on how we're doing or mm -hmm. once a sprint yeah. on how we're doing in terms of collaborating and hold ourselves to it. Then I'll do that. Or, or we said we'd have these working groups and we'd invite uh, stakeholders to participate where we didn't in the past. Okay, I'm going to be the one then that reaches out and, uh, and sends the first invite. And I might send, not send all the invites. It, it might be up to someone else to take that over to, to send out invites. But at least I've modeled how to get things started. And, uh, and I think teams will trust and respect that. So how, and the, and the flip side of this, yeah. how would you start that conversation with the team where they're not collaborating and they don't really see the value of that collaboration? 
great question. So maybe there's a story or a metaphor out there that you can harness um, that talks about the power of, of teamwork or kind of the um, the limits of doing it yourself without mm-hmm. collaborating. So I'm sure that there's a thousand and one stories that we can find on that. But I think if you find something that's applicable to their situation. Yeah, there you go. So a story is great. It gets people interested, invested in the outcome of a story. But but if you can find something that's very specific to their situation, and that's where the power of the Gemba Walk comes in. Mm-hmm. So if you have already been observing the team uh, or maybe someone shared an example with you, you can kind of frame that into a kind of a hero's journey. Yeah. They're, right? Oh, I like this. Yeah. And you say, okay, here's, here's our, our hero who's, who's got a goal, but they've also got these challenges along the way, these obstacles, this nemesis. And that's like not collaborating is the nemesis, <laughs> right? And now, um, there's this, this, um, this conflict going on all the time and, and you build up the suspense. It comes to a head where, just depending on the outcome, uh, it's either success or failure for our hero. Um, so success probably comes from the fact that they did reach out and collaborate and developed a good collaborative relationship mm-hmm. with team members or other teams or stakeholders, whoever, versus uh, they decided to just keep doing things the same way. And guess what? It ended up in the same death march as always, Yeah, whatever it might be. I liked how you wrapped this in a, in a story. Yeah, I think you have to. I think... Uh, People respond very well to stories. If you just show them statistics or or kind of colloquialisms, facts, things like that, they they kind of zone out. But if yeah. but if you show them a, a good earnest story based on something that they can relate to, I think there's power in that. That's it. I was I just uh, finished taking a course in in uh, the history of human behavior. Okay. And wow. the professor had a lot of very interesting things to say. Online but, class. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it was uh, one of the great courses from Audible. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah and um, he, he mentioned here that uh, the story, the narrative is important because we used to sit around campfires, mm-hmm. and what what did we do? We told stories all the time. So we've been telling ourselves stories. Uh, we've been wrapping experiences and our, well, truths, if you will, my, our opinions uh, and observations into in stories for long, long time. Hmm. So why do we think now <laughs> that all of a sudden, uh, in our uh, in a more modern era, mm-hmm. if there is such a thing, uh, that uh, narratives aren't important? No, let's just let's just run through these five points. I want you to memorize them, and I also want you to embrace them. And let's mm-hmm. go on. No, wrap it in a metaphor. Yeah. Wrap it in a story. It's going to be more meaningful, and people will be able to apply that yeah. to themselves and their situation much easier. There's a a, a quote or a stat, and I, I can't remember what it is specifically, but it went something along the lines of like people won't remember what you said; they will remember how you made them feel. There you go. Right? And exactly. that, that comes out more in a story than you can with any uh, anything else, I think, that you can say to people. Uh, anything else on modeling collaboration? How I do you, how do you model? The, oh, how do I model collaboration? Yeah, what do you do? Uh, it's interesting because it's not as easy as you might think off the top of your head, but what I try to do is uh, ask good, high-quality questions okay. and don't give answers. And oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. been very hard for me because I come from a, a very prescriptive background. It's where, okay, these five things, what you got to know, figure this out, okay, and then and get it done. Now we know these things, let's move on. So I'm, I'm listening to this podcast, and I just heard Larry Lawhead say, how do I model collaboration? I ask questions, and I refuse to give answers. Yes. So you're not collaborating at all. 
<laughs> no, I'm facilitating. I'm facilitating. And that's the whole point. A model collaboration is is you give you them give everyone yes, enough you, to work with you, and yes, any, you create the environment right. so they can uh, co collaborate themselves. And so how do I well, of course I model collaborations insofar as I'm always talking with other people like mm -hmm. like the things yeah, that we are. you know the new experiments we're trying to come up with for mm -hmm. various uh, seminars and workshops we're collaborating on that all the time yep uh but when i'm in a team and they're they're not connecting with the collaboration then i start asking these questions about don't they want to would how would they envision the future if they were to do these things uh so and then they like you said they embrace they come up with their solution and they embrace the solution yeah so I model collaboration, oddly enough, by asking good questions and not giving answers. Right. But still encouraging dialogue and, and yes. showing that dialogue has, has value in the meeting, outside the meeting. Yes, that. your yeah. team is smart enough to figure this out if, yeah. you're, if you're able to ask the, uh, good questions. Great. What questions do you have? Use the hashtag AskAgileCoffee. Get into the conversation with us, and we will uh, hopefully hear from you, and read your question on our next podcast. Larry, we've come to that time of the show where we have to wrap it up. Oh, man, we got to quit? Yeah, I know, oh. I know. But we don't want this to go two hours or three hours. Keep it brief. I think we're at about 50 minutes or so right here. So that seems to be a good time. I want to thank Larry for joining me again. Again, Larry can be found on Twitter at Larry Lawhead. You can find me, Vic Bonacci, at Agile Coffee. Um, engage with us and we'd be happy to hear what you think of our, our show and what guests you'd like to hear and, and anything else. <laughs> We're open to collaborating with you on how to help make this uh, Agile Coffee podcast more valuable to you and your teams. Um, any last words you have, Larry? Uh, no, this has been a great time. Thank you very much. It's always fun uh, to be on this podcast with you, Vic. It really is a good time. And until next time, my dear listeners, enjoy your coffee with friends. Coffee.